following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. I am thrilled and excited and feel extremely honored to be here this morning, um, spending time with you. And as Eric said, I did relocate from Fairfax, Virginia, which is just west of Washington, D.C., if anyone's familiar with that area. Um, and my wife and I love Houston. We've been here two years, and we, we love Houston. We love being connected here at this church. And I'm excited to be here with this group of men. Before we get too far, I wanted to give you guys a chance just to talk at your tables for a quick minute and maybe give a little teaser in terms of where we're going. We are talking about servant leadership. It might look a little different for 90% of the talk um, than what you might expect on servant leadership. But as a teaser, at your tables, as you, as you introduce yourselves, share maybe what your favorite stress-relieving activity is. For example, mine is golf. A round of golf with a good buddy just relieves any kind of anxiousness and stress. I'm very competitive. I'm focused on the golf game, focused on the conversation, and I'm, I'm refreshed by that, no matter how poorly I played, which is often. Um, but that's an example for me. So go ahead, take a minute at your tables and uh, discuss that. Okay, good. Thank you for um, discussing that. Anyone want to call out some of their favorites? What did you share? I love this. You guys, are, you guys are into this at your tables. I love it. Hey, anyone want to share anything? Josh said mowing, which I invited him in my house to just relieve some stress. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else sitting and watching TV? Did that come up? <laughs> Sleep? All right, that's fair. We'll see if I can tie this in somehow later in the talk, but... <laughs> Just to give you a roadmap of um, how this morning is going to look, I'll spend the next 20 to 25 minutes or so in John 13, and then we'll leave the remainder of the time for you to discuss at your table. So I'm happy to see a rich discussion already. We'll have a chance to get back into that in about 25 minutes or so. Before diving into our passage of Scripture, I wanted to start with a question. And as you think of this question, please answer it in your head as honestly and thoroughly as you can. So here it is. Close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. Imagine God thinking of you. What do you assume He feels when you come to mind? What do you assume God feels when you come to mind? Regardless of how you answered that question, if you are in Christ, when God thinks of you, He feels love, period. To those who are united with Christ, by faith God loves you, and His love is extravagant and deep and intimate and personal and wonderful. And it's easy to know that's true and kind of believe that, yeah, of course, God loves me. He sees the righteousness of Christ. When he sees me because I have faith and, and have received his grace through that faith, and Christ's righteousness is mine, but it's a bit harder to actually experience that, you know, when you close your mind and God's thinking of you. If you're like me, yes, it's love, and then dot, 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 
if only you could fill in the blank. If, I'm just a little disappointed. You, you seem to have so much potential, but you just can't shake that anger issue. You know, you're just a little impatient, a little self-centered. You know, there's just these shortcomings that creep up, and, and then that leads to this idea that God's a little frustrated or disappointed in me. And there's a psychologist, David Benner. I'll read you a quote. If you assume God, God looks at you with any hint of disgust, disappointment, frustration, or anger, the central feature of any spiritual response to such a God will be an effort to earn His approval. Far from daring to relax in His presence, you will be vigilant to perform as well as you possibly can. How could anyone ever feel safe enough to relax in the presence of a God who is preoccupied with their shortcomings and failures. The truth is, God doesn't turn away from sinners in disgust, but moves towards us, bringing us His redemptive presence. This is going to be the key to my talk. Maybe it's the tie now to the stress-relieving activity, is that our view of God is paramount in our faith. And our view of how God views us needs to be biblically centered on His love. And then and only then will we, will we be able to relax in His presence and reap the amazing benefits of an experience of His love. As, as Paul writes in Romans 5, God's love can be poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I think that's a subjective pouring out. We can, we can have faith and experience all experience the love of God as children of God, but it can be poured out in our hearts in different measures, and my goal is for us to all experience it in the fullest of measures. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Okay, so we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, John 13, which is probably familiar. It's Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Thanks, Eric. Did anyone lift a pedicure as a uh, stress reliever? No? I've had one. I've had one pedicure. Haven't been back. It was a little ticklish. So uh, it was, I was not able to relax during the pedicure because, I don't know, it was ticklish. TMI, I digress. Let's go to Scripture, huh? <laughs> no, I wanted to try it. I, you know, my, come on, our feet are gross. I was kind of like disgusted by the calluses and... <laughs> Okay, let's go to Scripture, guys. John 13. Hey, I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. And my ask is that as I read, really put yourself in the room. Try to experience what's going on in the passage as if, as if you were right there in the room. So join with me as I read. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father... Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, 
Do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I have three objectives for our study of this scripture, and these are in the listening guides. One, I want to give us an opportunity to see, to just see Jesus' amazing love for us. You could even write savor there, love for us to savor it. Secondly, through a study of this scripture, I'd like to create a desire to experience Christ's love to desire an experience of Christ's love, and then thirdly, to follow Jesus' example of serving one another. Those are the three objectives for today. So number one, to see the amazing love of Christ. Um, really, this will be sort of a context or a scene set for the passage. Um, and really, I want to do it through the lens of three strains on the love of Christ. This is an extremely stressful time probably in Christ's life. He's about to die. That's point number one. The time had come for him to die. If you look at verse one, it's, it's obvious there. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The time had come for Jesus to die, and John now turns his focus on Jesus' public ministry. It changes from all the stuff that he's been doing to the world, now is focused on the approach to the cross. And John is making it very clear that in both cases, in the past and the present, he's loved his own. He has loved his own disciples during all that time, and he's going to love them to the end. And if you belong to Jesus, I think in this passage, as his own people, we can feel everything he says and does here as said and done to you in a very intentional and personal and effective way. You see, though Jesus was about to take this terrible journey to death, he didn't forget his own. He didn't forget us. He didn't forget his people. And rather than seeking pity and comfort from his friends, Jesus spent his time and strength and energy on the comfort and establishment of his followers, which is radical to me. Yeah, put yourself in stressful situations. How have you loved your family when you're feeling most stressed? 
you're like me, it didn't quite look like Jesus focusing on those he loves. So that's the first strain on the love of Christ that shows how amazing it is that he could overcome these strains. Number two, it's that Jesus knew his betrayer. In verse two, it makes it clear that Jesus knew that Simon, excuse me, Judas was going to betray him. And he even knew that the disciples were going to, in a way, betray Jesus. Remember when he's praying in Gethsemane and they're falling asleep? And of course, Peter denies Jesus. You know, all the disciples end up, in a way, betraying Jesus, you know, in a certain extent, or kind of leaving him out to dry a little bit. But of course, he knows Judas is really about to betray him, yet he still washes all of their feet, even the feet of Judas. Amazing, amazing. Jesus knows these friends aren't, they don't love him like he loves them. You know, if you think of your friends, it's sometimes easier to serve someone that we're going to get, you know, something in return for. But Jesus is not going to get the same level of love and kindness that he pours out. And yet he's going to get backstabbed yet he still stoops and washes their feet. It's, it's amazing. Jesus knew his betrayer, number two. Number three, Jesus has the highest rank. I'll just read uh, in verse three, Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Has having high authority or power or a position ever inhibited us from going low in service or loving others around us? You know, for me, sometimes it's like, hey, someone else, someone else can do that stuff. I need to do more important you know, tasks. Or my time is valuable over here, and someone whose time is less valuable can do this stuff. But Jesus overcomes, I mean, Philippians 2 talks about Jesus consider, considering equality with God a thing not to be grasped, but stooped down to this earth and took the form of a humble servant and was obedient even to the point of death. And even here we see that as Jesus has the highest rank. He came from God and he's about to go back to God, yet he still goes low in humble serving and loving his followers, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, just disrobes himself and washes his disciples' feet. So by looking at these three, you know, very quickly, we've looked at these three strains on the love of Christ in the context, setting up the context of the foot washing, I hope enlargens our view of the love of Christ to see how amazing it is that the love of Christ will surely endure any strain that can be put on it. Even as we see how Jesus acted as a menial servant. Think of our lives and the strain that we feel our shortcomings can put on the love of Christ. Surely he can overcome. Like Paul, I pray that we can be convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's from Romans 8. Nothing will be able to separate us. Okay, so that was my first objective, to just see, to just savor how amazing Christ's love is for us. Secondly, 
I'd like to, I'm trying to create in us a desire to experience this love in a deeper way. And so let's look at the foot washing again. Through, we're going to go through three different lenses of how the foot washing can be an experience for us of Christ's love. And it's even, I think it's truly a demonstration of God's continuous love to us even now. So first, God cares for our minor matters with personal interest. It's understandable that Jesus would spend his time teaching his disciples and investing in, in his disciples' enlightenment to truth, and certainly Jesus does that. But wash their feet? You know, such a menial task, such a small matter? Yet Jesus thoroughly and gladly, and I get gladly from verse 17 where it says, blessed are you if you do these things. Jesus thoroughly and gladly washes the dirt on their ankles and heels, and he will certainly care for the little things of our lives too. If you're like me, you've sometimes felt some of the issues you're facing at work or with your family or just in your own mind. God doesn't have time. You know, this is, I can take care of this, you know? This isn't a big deal. And we, we don't bring them to God and we miss out on this experience of the love of Christ. We're missing out on an, an opportunity to experience Christ's love in minor matters. We should take our small cares to the Lord. We must believe in Him so much that we can trust each day's cares with Him. I think that's one of the first little observations of the foot washing as an experience of the love of God is that he cares for our minor matters. Secondly, Jesus provides refreshment for his people. I think an, maybe, maybe it gets overlooked sometimes in this passage as well, but the washing of the disciples' feet, I think, is displaying an experience that we can have of refreshment. From the Lord. Can you imagine? I mean, it won't be hard for us to imagine really the Middle Eastern climate and the, the temperatures that can be experienced there. We have here in Houston, but maybe it would be exacerbated by dirt and open toast shoes and no cars, and you're walking around all day and your feet probably stink and they're dusty and hot and aching. Can you imagine how good it would feel to have some cool water poured on them by a servant who's rubbing your ankles and, you know, getting the grime off and just, it would feel good, right? I mean, can you kind of feel it right now? It would feel good. And I think, I, I think Jesus intended to refresh his disciples. I think he intended to make them feel good. Feel that intense pleasure. I think he wants that for us. Have you ever felt, truly felt and experienced intense pleasure and refreshment and joy in the Lord? For much of my Christian walk, I don't think I had. I don't think I really had. And it's an amazing, it is, it's a real thing. If you haven't experienced it, it's a real thing. You can, it's better than having cool water poured on your feet. It feels great. And it's real. 
It's a real thing to experience refreshment and joy and pleasure, pleasure in the Lord. And I think the foot washing is demonstrating that God wants us to experience that pleasure and joy. Excuse me, pleasure in the Lord. My wife's name is Joy. That was Freudian slip. Um, (laughs) You guys know the verse in Psalms where it says, um, in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures of evermore, pleasures forevermore. I hope you know this is biblical. The foot washing, I think, is another example pointing to an experience of our pleasure in Jesus Christ's love. Okay, thirdly, the foot washing is to be experienced as a cleansing. And this one's a little tricky. Um, And this is where we'll spend the bulk of our time. And we're going to go to verses 6 through 11. I'm just going to read them again to bring it to light here. Here, he came, Jesus came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Now, if I were in the room, and I were watching this interaction between Jesus and Peter going on, I would be like, chill out, (laughs) Jesus. Like, he just doesn't want you to wash his feet. It kind of makes sense. You're his master. You know, why are you, why are you telling him he can have no share with you? That's a pretty, like, a pretty bold statement. It's an aggressive retort to Peter, which Jesus, Jesus and Peter seem to have that a few times. Yeah. Um, And I'd like to take a look at what Jesus means in verse 10, where he says, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Here is where Peter is mistaken. Even though Peter, and like many of us, even though Peter was justified, declared righteous in Christ, There were sins that needed daily confession and forgiveness. In our lives, think about it. Even though we are justified, we're declared righteous, that is true, that is our status, we still have sins that creep into our lives daily, and we certainly need daily confession and forgiveness, daily spiritual foot washings. The once-for-all purchase of forgiveness needs daily application. And John taught this in 1 John chapter 1. I'll read you from there, verses 8 and 9. It says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see how the foot washing takes on this deeper meaning of cleansing? Not only does it demonstrate God's care for our minor matters and His interest in the small things and His desire to give us refreshment and pleasure in Himself and His love, but also there's a cleansing aspect to the foot washing. To the Christian, you are already clean. You're justified. Christ's death, His torturous death, has paid the penalty for our sin. He's satisfied the wrath of God 
and in his resurrection, we, are unite, we will be united to him and we can walk in newness of life right now. Yes, that is true. Amen. But the mark of a completely clean disciple is that we hate our daily shortcomings and we come to Christ daily for cleansing. This passage, this whole lesson was put together for me um, a couple years ago when I was in D.C. And um, I'm putting myself in that time right now. It was, I was traveling almost every week for work. Um, and I was mentoring this kid in the, in the inner city who was just going sideways, this 11-year-old kid. And I was leading a men's small group, and I was involved in a young adult leadership aspect in my church, and I had just proposed to my now wife. And my hands were in a bunch of these different pots, and I felt like I was just doing nothing well. You know, I was just spread too thin. I wasn't meeting the expectations in a way that I wanted to, and the responsibilities in a way that I wanted to, and I was just, I was just falling short. I don't know if anyone can relate to those types of feelings. And it was really manifesting for me in really pride. You know, the self-pity that I think pride can take, take this space of self-pity and um, feelings of anger and bitterness and frustration, all the stuff that maybe came to mind when I would think of how God felt about me if I came to his mind. And a friend of mine just sensed it. This sage friend of mine could sense it. He was a dear, he is a dear friend. And he prayed with me one morning before work. And I can remember it as clear as day when he was praying. We didn't talk about this passage or anything. He just said, he, he said, Lord, we see you with a brush and a towel at your hand ready to shine Andrew's shoes. Would you polish them up? They're scuffed up. They're a little dirty. Would you shine his shoes this morning? As I was going to the airport, and I was looking, and tears just started falling on my shoes as I got this image of Jesus Christ, you know, stooped down like a shoe shine, getting ready to polish my shoes and clean me up. I was clean. I was showered. I was dressed. I was looking good. But my feet were dirty. And my friend opened my eyes to all the experiences of the foot washing that I had been missing out on. I hadn't thought of Jesus in that way. And it felt a little strange for me to think of Jesus shining my shoes. And that's, it seems so menial. It feels, I feel like Peter a little bit. No, don't, I'll, I'll get it. I can do that in my free time, you know. <laughs> but just think, the next day Jesus goes to the cross. How humiliating. He died a terrible, terrible death, naked, hanging on a cross for my sin, for your sin. Why are we missing out on the daily application of this amazing love? What keeps you and me from coming to Jesus with dirty feet or scuffed up shoes and letting Him shine them? Or wash our feet. I listed, I tried my best to list my personal reasons for why um, maybe I haven't come to the Lord with dirty feet. 
and maybe some will resonate with you. One was pride. You know, I didn't, maybe to be a little clearer with the pride thing, maybe, maybe it's like, I can handle, I can handle this. You know, I can figure this out. I'll reprioritize my time. I'll wake up 30 minutes earlier. I'll squeeze this in here, that in there. You know, I can, I can figure it all out. And so, Lord, I'm going to come to you to get knowledge and spend my quiet time with you and be a good Christian and do something for you. But I can, I can figure out this stuff. I just, I think that's pride. And we're sometimes blinded by just being able, we have the ability to bring dirty feet to Jesus and, and be washed. Let's not be like Peter. So one was pride. I, I love this quote from Spurgeon. Spurgeon writes, in reference to this passage, pride must sit still like a child and be both washed and wiped. I love that. So one for me was pride. Two is fear. And think back to the question at the introduction. Fear that God's going to be disappointed. He's going to be frustrated. He's going to be angry with my perpetual shortcomings. You know, the stuff that keeps rising up. I don't want God to see the grime between my toes. I don't want him to get in there with his towel and his water and clean it up. Because it can be hard. It can be vulnerable. But I think all our fears about how God will respond to us in our sin wash away as we see Jesus with a basin and a towel around his waist. We have that visual even more so if we see the cross of Christ. Certainly, 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 certainly God's love won't be hindered by our sin. Yeah. Yeah, sure. The quote from Spurgeon is, Pride must sit still like a child and be both washed and wiped. So one was pride, two was fear. If we don't have the appropriate view of God that He loves us, His love is unconditional, and it's based solely on the work of Christ and not our good work or lack thereof, fear should not be a reason we don't come to the Lord. Perfect love casts out fear. That's also in 1 John. Two more reasons why I haven't come to the Lord with my dirty feet. One is busyness. I think necessarily you must be still to experience someone washing your feet. So busyness, not creating time for that stillness. And we touched on this one fourthly, just that distortion of quiet time. Like, I was distorting the very reason for my time alone with God in the mornings. It, it became this like work for God thing, which I think falls under that pride umbrella. And maybe if you've been like me, you've experienced in your quiet times, you've had time with the Lord, but it's not refreshing. And I'm not talking about mountaintop, you know, lovey-dovey experiences every morning. But we can have refreshment, most certainly. And we can have those mountaintop experiences. Don't get me wrong. But I don't want to paint that kind of picture. I think sometimes... If you're like me, I've distorted the very reason I'm sitting and reading my, my Bible 
and spending time alone with God as this means of doing for the Lord. Really, it's a means of receiving from the Lord. I like to think of my reason for spending time with God as a means of receiving the gift that God has for me that day, receiving a kind of foot washing, receiving refreshment, receiving his care, his love, his attention. Even by worshiping him is a, is a reception of, we're created to worship. It's, it's a reception of his love in a way. It's, it can be a beautiful thing. Don't let those stop you. Um, maybe like they have me in the past. Jesus is ready and willing to cheerfully wash our feet. Come to him. Even if you've known about the love of God, seek to experience more deeply the joy and pleasure and freedom that can transform you. For those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, let us look to the very next day to see the ultimate form of love as Christ went to the cross for our salvation. We can, if, if you're not a Christian, you can believe in Him and be completely clean. You might be wondering now, um, how this ties in with servant leadership. <laughs> I haven't talked much about, or at least directly, about servant leadership, or maybe maybe in a way that this passage is typically approached, we jump to verses 12 through 17, and it is a beautiful, obvious, clear, true application that we should follow Christ's example and do likewise and serve others. But I think if we jump to that application and focus on the doing, we'll necessarily end up failing. We'll end up with dirty feet. And who knows, maybe we'll miss out on seeing the amazing love of Christ in the foot washing and seeking to experience it, to experience all the stuff that we've talked about. You could end up like me that day in D.C., and maybe like a couple of weeks ago when I had a similar experience with all this Harvey relief and you know, I was running thin, and it was, it was the exact same story for me. And I was reminded of this, and my wife kindly reminded me of my needs. And I was able to come to the Lord to experience His love. It's a beautiful thing. So the reason I think, the reason I spent 90% of my time talking about seeing and savoring the love of Christ and then experiencing it is because that's the locomotive. That's going to be the engine for your servant leadership. And frankly, your servant leadership is going to naturally flow. When that's happening, you are naturally going to be serving others. It doesn't take a lot of talking to figure out how we can go low in humble service. That's the first point. When you have experienced the love of God and are completely clean, don't exalt yourself, but go low in humble service. Blessed are you if you do them, happy are you. There's this wonderful promise there of joy. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are perfect and holy, and you're so rich in mercy and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Thank you, thank you, thank you for not only sending your Son to go to the cross and pay the penalty for our sins and satisfy your wrath, but also for sending Jesus Christ to this earth 
to display your love in tangible and real ways, in ways that are meant for us to also experience. Would you help myself and each man, each man in this room to experience more deeply your love? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the Garden Room of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. Have a great day. Your heart's in the